Friday, Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes is coming to IMAX and theaters everywhere. This summer, one movie event will reign. It is our time. They stole my village. I know where they're taking your clan. Bend for your king. Never. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Only in theaters Friday. Tickets on sale now. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. Who else cried? Team Tears? Team Tears? Oh, okay. Most of y'all. It's real. That's real. All right. We're going to get this uh, discussion um, ongoing here with these wonderful, amazing, and honored creators. That's right. All right. Um, So let's not wait any further. Lena Waithe and Miss Melina Matsukas. Come on through with y'all's talented ass. Join us. Wow. Hey, man. I almost had to just call my mama. I like. <laughs> Thank y'all for that. That Thank was an amazing you, experience. Crazy. To be on this journey together. Y'all knew y'all was going to fuck you. us up with that. Sorry, we fucked. She wrote it. <laughs> Blame her. Woo. All right. So, you Queen and Slim, a uh, long time in the making. Mm-hmm. And, uh, First and foremost, what was the inspiration behind the film? And uh, why now? What made you want to tell the story? Um, it's interesting. I, uh, I, you know, I always sort of got to give credit to God because um, it was really a God thing. Um, I was at a party celebrating uh, my now wife. Uh, she was being honored at, uh, for by the Hollywood Reporter. So I was there. Come on. <laughs> you know. <laughs> Which is so, you know, she always sees me when I say this, but if I wasn't, if I didn't choose her, this film wouldn't have happened. So, or rather she didn't choose me. I'm very grateful for that. Um, so I'm at this party. Um, James Frey approaches me. I know who he is. He's like, hey, I'm James Frey. I'm like, I know who you are. Um, he's like, I got this idea for a movie that I can't write. I'm like, okay, what's the idea? And he was like, black man, black woman on a first date. It's not going great. Not going horribly. Uh, on the way home, they get pulled over by a cop um, and they kill him in self-defense. Um, and I was like, hmm, yeah, that's, yeah, you can't write that. <laughs> uh, uh, and, and I was like, well, let's exchange information. I think he thought it was some Hollywood shit, but I ain't Hollywood. So I was like, yo, give me your email. We just like kind of went back and forth and I was like, I know what that movie is. So he had a different title. He had all these different things. I was like, nah, fuck that. Like, I'm putting all that away. I'm just going to like try to figure out what this movie is. He had a different title and everything. And so, um, so yeah, I just started working on it and started figuring out who the characters were. And, uh, and I just knew that I wanted them to represent, I wanted her to be Malcolm X and I wanted him to be Martin Luther King. And by the end of the movie, they would have swapped places. So that was sort of my, that's all I had. And so I was just in my room, just like writing about it, putting my shit in it. You know what I'm saying? And just like, 
there's there's so much in it obviously in terms of me like with the religion and like women and, and the whole thing and also I just read the book Just Mercy about uh, Brian Stevenson um, who how he basically goes around and gets people off death row and so I was like oh what if I make her a lawyer and what if the first day like um, you know she her client has been executed and so she's on this date and he and, and that was also too the thing about how it, like bending the world and or being just being able to exist in it and those two different things and what those things mean. So I just, yeah, and I just like kind of figured out the journey. And the biggest thing was I didn't want a cop. I didn't want there to be some sympathetic cop. I always say there's no Harvey Keitel in this film, you know, Thelma Louise. Um, there's the cop that you keep cutting away to or the cop and set it off. Or you keep going to the sympathizing cop who has to bring these people to justice. I was like, I don't want to cut away to a cop. Um, I just want to be with them. Uh, so, which was also a, a tough thing to do. Uh, and another big thing was I didn't want to tell you their names until... Uh, they were killed um, because the big thing behind that was I just kept thinking, I was like, I wouldn't know Trayvon Martin's name if he hadn't been killed. I wouldn't know Tamir Rice's name if he hadn't been killed. I wouldn't know Sandra Bland's name if she hadn't been killed. So then I was sort of playing with that and I was like, can I do this? Can I have a movie where I don't cut away to a cop and you don't know the two protagonist's names? But I was like, I don't care. I'm just going to go for it. And so I just was just writing it. And it's funny because I was working on it while when we filmed Thanksgiving, when we were making Thanksgiving episode with Master of None. I was writing it and I told you about it. Uh, she was probably like, oh, what's this? But I was like, yeah, I'm working on this thing, um, this movie. Yeah, she was like, I have this movie I'm writing. I was like, all right, girl, you send that to me when you're done. Um, <laughs> nah, we, we have a, obviously a, a really great collaborative relationship yeah. and I always say she's my work soul sister, but I don't like my relationships to dictate the work that I do. Right. I always like the page to dictate that and right. my passion for the project. So she finished that maybe what, a year later. And I read the script and I knew I had to do it. I knew I was the one to tell that story. Like I had been looking for something, you know, in the narrative space for a really long time. And it just was everything. Like it's everything. It's, it's, it's the fantasy and it's reality. It's part documentary. It's authentic. It's political. It's, you know, causes a conversation and hopefully pushes culture forward in, in some ways. And it's just extremely authentic and it's just black as fuck. And that it is. <laughs> For me, it just had all the elements that I wanted in my first film. And then as a bonus to be able to do it, my sister as her first film and be on that journey together and support each other and empower each other and and bring in other artists, you know, that could be a part of that narrative. Like it was really important for, I think, both of us, like politically who we are as, as filmmakers. Um, to create something that was for us and by us. And there was nobody else for me. I just knew, I was like, well, if Melina don't do it, I genuinely don't know what's going to happen. <laughs> um, and the crazy thing is Daniel Kaluuya ended up reading it first. He read it before Melina because he and I had dinner um, just connecting, you know, as artists. Like, no, it was not no Hollywood shit. We were just breaking bread. And I told him about it and he was like, I want to read it. And I was like, all right, it was early. It's not even, it's like a rough, it was, he read a very early draft. Um, and he was like, okay, I want to read it. And he read it right away and emailed me. Like I still got the email and the subject line says, I am slim. Wow. And I was like, well, I got to see, I was like, well, I appreciate that. <laughs> I was like, I want Melina Masukas to direct it. I was like, she hasn't read it yet. I was like, but once she reads it, um, I hope she says yes. And if she does, whoever Slim and Queen are, that has to be a, a, a conversation between she and I. So I said, when she reads it and agrees to do it, y'all can sit down and we'll see if that works. And so I read it and I was like, nah, he ain't Slim. Like, 
you know, all I knew of Daniel was Get Out. And I was like, the character he plays in Get Out is not who Slim is, you know? And that's just a testament to his talent as an actor, because I really believe that person. And because of Lena, I sat down with him. Um, and our five minute, you know, what was supposed to be a five minute coffee turned into a five hour long conversation, which by the end of it, I offered him the role and then called her like, I hope you still like him. Because yeah. um, <laughs> I, like, I gave him the role. He's slim. Nah, but he's just so real. Like I say, you know, he's like our Paul Robeson, our Denzel Washington. Like he's so talented. Obviously, you can see from his performance and there was nobody else I saw. And he, you know, as a black man and there's so many people of color like he has his own, own experience with police brutality and so he could really relate to a lot of you know what slim was going through and it was really important to him not just as an actor but i think as a man to be able to play that role um and and, and he's so deep i mean having conversations with him some of the some of the things that he and i would talk about wound up in the script like one of the favorite things like he and i were having lunch and he was like, uh, we were talking about, he said his dad said that black excellence is a product of our trauma. And so I was like, huh. So how do I put that into the words? And so that's what just came. I, I was like, I, I, he, hit, he, hit, he gave me that. And I was like, okay, I got to figure out how to put that in. Just it, it fell into place when um, I was I was playing with that scene. I was working with, when they were when eating, they're eating at the truck. They're eating. And then he's like, are you a good lawyer? And I was like, oh, she can say I'm an excellent lawyer. And then have him say, why do black people have to be excellent all the time? Why can't we just be ourselves? It's one of my favorite exchanges. But that yeah. came, that's straight from Daniel. Hey, y'all, listen, we all know that life is full of the yada, yada, yada. You know, sometimes you sign up for a contract one place and then in order to get out of it, you got to send a million letters and go up there in person. And it's just a bunch of blah, blah, blah. Like this could have been easier. OK, we've all dealt with the yada, yada before when companies have those sneaky gotchas hiding deep in fine print or, you know, even bills that just seem to keep going up every month for no dang reason. Or when budget airlines promise a cheap fare, but then they charge you for every little thing until you might as well have just booked your ticket somewhere else. But it is possible to outsmart the yada yada, like triple checking airline deals and making sure everything you need is already included. So remember, you don't have to take the yada yada in life and you don't have to take it from your wireless provider. Metro by T-Mobile has no contracts, no credit checks, no surprises, and not a yada yada. So stop by one of the over 6,000 Metro stores nationwide to sign up today. When you want the best, you have to act quickly or someone else will get it instead. It's like if you're hiring for your business, you want to find the most talented people for your open roles before the competition scoops them up. So what's the best way to do that? We've told you. It's your girl, ZipRecruiter. ZipRecruiter finds qualified candidates fast, honey. And right now you can try it for free, girl, at ZipRecruiter.com slash the read. ZipRecruiter's powerful matching technology takes center stage to identify top talent for your roles. Immediately after you post your job, ZipRecruiter's smart technology starts showing you qualified people for it. And I've actually used ZipRecruiter for my, for like my <laughs> own personal things on the back end. And it really does work pretty quickly. And I also appreciate that it's easy to use because, uh, you know, this aging brain of mine in technology works part in ways, which makes me sad, but that's a different conversation. Amp up your hiring performance with Zip Recruiter and find the best fast. See why four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. Just go to this exclusive web address right now to try ZipRecruiter for free. ZipRecruiter.com slash the read. Again, that's ZipRecruiter.com slash the read. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Now let's get back to show. 
I have to say, for this being your directorial debut for a feature-length film, and Lena, you writing the screenplay, y'all have to be proud of yourselves for churning out something like this, right? The first movie? This ain't no YouTube shit. No shade to YouTube. But like... But I really want to talk about, I know Devontae Hines did the score. Hey, Blood Orange. My God. The score. Incredible. It's so good because there there are already so many suspenseful moments in the movie where, you know, black people are ready to scream and you never know, like, what crazy fucked up twist is coming next. And then the score just adds to that intensity so much. So I definitely want to talk about that process and then how y'all decided to craft the soundtrack and to choose which artist because woo, that shit was bumping <laughs> as well. All right. Y'all hear that Lauren at the end? Woo. <laughs> we did. I said, is, is Lauren Hill releasing New music? <laughs> yes, we got she, a new soundtrack. Oh, Melina made some phone calls. I, I definitely was texting. She was like, can you uh, delete my number? Um, <laughs> but, no, I you know, I, obviously I come from music and, and music's really important and I wanted the, the music itself to be another character in the film and, you know, as they travel that we could really hear the local sounds and also you know, show our roots in black music, like from soul um, gospel, to gospel, gospel to, to bounce, you know, to, to hip hop, obviously, and R&B. And, and Luther and was in the script. Luther was in the script. <laughs> Kudos to Lena. Um, and then like, so, I mean, a lot of it, you know, comes from me and my friends and obviously our, our music supervisor and, and sure. music wise, we can get into that. But then we had all these amazing like music choices and then who were we going to get to score this? And, you know, Lena and I really wanted to take it back to the 90s soundtracks that we brought up, were brought up on, you know, like mm -hmm. Love Jones. Obviously, we quote that in the beginning and Nutty yeah. Professor soundtrack was popping. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Waiting to exhale soundtrack was Exactly. Lit. So trying to come up with a composer that was obviously black and super talented. And who could that be? And, and Solange, you know, she she gave me some of the music and then we were just talking about who could compose this like who can be our Quincy Jones I had just watched Rashida Jones's documentary on her father mm -hmm. and to see how many pieces of, of art he had his hands on and then also to see that he's classically trained and you know he was working in France and then working with Michael and, and doing you know all these pieces mm -hmm. of, of film that we've you know experienced I wanted that for us and Solange you know recommended Dev and I knew Dev because of the work they had done and, and we had one conversation and I knew he was the one. Like, he's classically yeah. trained. He can, like, kill it on the piano. He can kill it on the cello, you know. And then when I, like, even I had this idea to use the far sides, Can't Keep Running Away, I had used it in the trailers. But I couldn't find a place to place it uh, song-wise. So I was like, Dev, what if you just come up with your own interpretation, you know, and that's what you hear in, wow. in the riot scene when they're having sex in the yeah. riot and he just did his own he just led like a, a stream of conscious on the piano mm -hmm. with the can't keep running away sample looping and then he brought in Ian Isaiah to do some vocals and oh, interpreted yeah. it that way and I mean it's just a masterpiece in and of itself yeah it really is yeah and he really I think he just got it you know like he mm -hmm. knew he needs to do a, a horror film because yes <laughs> that absolutely. was also important because how she wrote it there is no B story there's no cop chase I need to keep that tension you know even as they're falling in love that you and obviously there's a lot of humor and all all that so I wanted you to be able to feel the chase um, through the music and through the tension that we had to maintain and that was really a challenge you know so we, we did it with the music 
And he really just has such a diverse, mm-hmm. I think, talent with how, and he even created this love theme. So what you hear at the very end when he's carrying her, yeah. you know, it starts in the juke joint, like it comes up and is interpreted a couple of different ways, but he came up with all these themes. So, yeah. you know, Dev, I mean, all, all praise to Dev yeah. for, for his Cause talent. Because we, yeah, yeah. We, we went back and forth a lot, you know, about certain scenes. Like we were like, oh, it's not there yet. Or I don't know. And I would be away and, and Melina was so patient. She would send me things and I would look at it and send me stuff. And then I would just always hit you. I'm like, yeah, yeah, that's it. Or I'll be like, have little tiny thing. I'm like, maybe you should cut out here right before you go back to that. Like it was all these things. So we're very particular, obviously. So anybody that is on our team, we, we always, we appreciate your patience. Thank you so much. <laughs> yes. And he, he really created that, the whole soundtrack. He did his first pass in one weekend. Shut up. And I sat in the studio with him. Yeah. And we went through what? each cue and I was like, yes, I love that. Let's change this. Oh, Let's no. I love that. Bring this back. And then like, you know, some scenes. She was we, getting on me. She's like, did you watch this shit? You watch right. the thing? I was some like, I'm in London. I'm, yes I'm about to watch yeah. it right now yeah like the end scene we he did like 10 times and we were like in the end of the sound mix and I'm like can you just do it one more oh time like one more pass and he did and yeah. like he came up with that you know and it was just it, it came full circle I think in the end yeah, that man's a genius one thing that I really really appreciated about this film and and picked up from the first time that we watched it was that um in films like this it uh, that, that sort of surround like the black experience as it pertains to police brutality and what it kind of means to be black on this planet mm-hmm. as well as just this country specifically. I feel like a lot of time in our art, um, like the trauma of those experience kind of monopolizes the overall experience of the story. Mm-hmm. Whereas with this, it felt more like a love story and a thriller that has that experience as a backdrop. So I'm like, hey, thank you. You know what I'm saying? Like, I cried because I was very sad for these characters and their experience that could happen to anyone. And not just because I'm reminded that being black is hard. Like, so writing the script and, and directing and doing all of this, was there like a conscious intention to like have that proportioned in a certain way or are you just like fuck it I'm just gonna write what I feel well yeah yeah I mean I think to me the thing I had to remember and I really had to go to a place in terms of the fact that I believe that black people constantly live in a constant state between freedom and captivity mm-hmm. we and I also believe that um, that black joy is fleeting um, so I was very mindful that whenever they were joyful there's always the 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 captivity on their heels mm-hmm. um and if you can even hit like the you know i'm very connected to the 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 our ancestry you know and so even like i'm saying like the line of uh and i love bokeem you know he's like you know you know cops are like slave catchers they can smell free black body mm-hmm. from miles away like you know i try to put that into the mouths of the characters to say that like slavery is not far away from them yeah. and um and so that was a big thing for me but also too is that i didn't want this to be put through the white gaze at all so it really it's uh it's a film that is i believe that black people are bilingual and we have a language of our own and so i decided to t- write a movie that was completely in our language yeah and and so, and there's it's so interesting. Like I think we sometimes we get feedback sometimes from like uh, like people like critics or people see it. There's a great thing. I think I think there's a white person who said like I don't know what to think of this movie. It's <laughs> like I don't know what to make of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that to me is like such a blessing because. <laughs> 
Period, dude. Because to me, when I was writing it, and it is such a very like is is a solo experience. You know, I was in a room cooped up. Like, you know, when we would talk about things, you give me thoughts, and I have to go back and like try to find it. But the real truth is, is that what I found is that we do. We are we are in a whenever we and also even too like when they're hanging out the the window. You know, to me, it was like them trying to get a taste of freedom. Mm-hmm. Like, um, and there's this beautiful quote um, from a book of uh, written by recently freed slaves. And there was a quote, I remember Don Cheetah was reading it and it said, I don't, what is freedom if you can't put your arms around it? And that is sort of the thing I was sort of constantly repeating to myself is like, what does freedom look like for us? And the truth is we're always chasing it. And I also think of this thing too, that black people are always out of breath. Right. We can never take a complete breath. We're always running in a way. And so to me, I also want to clean this up to be a bit of a metaphor and that we we are all on the run in some way. It's just a matter of what we're running away from. And then I took that visually and I was like, wow, they start in the north and they go south and it's kind of this like reverse slave escape narrative, you know? And and I knew we had... <laughs> I knew we had to start in Cleveland. I have been to Cleveland. She wrote Cleveland in because they do still have the death penalty and, and, you know, Queen defends people on death row. And, and I have been there. We were in Cleveland. Scouting. Yeah. So I was was like, they were not happy about it. But, um, I had scouted a commercial there a couple of years back and, and there was this, this road, uh, called St. Clair in a black neighborhood. And I was like, that's exactly where we shoot. And I still had the scouting pictures in my, in my phone and I made us go up there. Nobody wanted to go to Cleveland. They were like, can we just create this in New Orleans? I was like, nah, that's not authentic. (laughs) So I like to make everybody's life hard, including myself. So we, when we were up there scouting for the movie, what was so crazy is like we scouted that road and, and literally in a half hour time span, six different black people were pulled over by cops in this one area. And one of them was a white accord pulled over by this black Cleveland police car. And I was like, they're slim right there. I have the picture. And I was like, I'm going to give him a white accord. She, she like, texted me. She's like, this is it. Everything's based in real life. And also Cleveland was the last stop on the Underground Railroad before slaves would get to, to Canada. And so I was like, that that's where our story begins, you know? And then we go to the furthest parts on the south and the, um, on the east, and that's the Keys. And that's, we created the Florida Keys, you know? So it's like our roots are weaved into each of these frames and, and all of their words. We shot it in New Orleans, um, which is, to me, where some of the freest black people reside. And uh, we then we came home for like, oh, we lived for like four months, something like that. It was, it was a beat. Uh, but... Uh, we really, I think that also kind of like seeped into our skin, sort of being there and, you know, us having like meetings and like being frustrated eating crawfish and whatnot. It was like crazy. <laughs> Telling people about like, you sucking out the tail. <laughs> we not doing that. Look, look, we need this. <laughs> you in this boil though. I was really, look, the cinematography is insanity. Like, it's. That's right. Pat yourself on the back. Yes, because you did that, girl. You did. Watching it, I'm like, who knew so many stretches of road could be so (laughs) breathtaking? Hey, y'all, this podcast is brought to you by Squarespace. Finding a work-life balance can be tough, okay? If anybody knows, I know. But Squarespace gives you the tools to reach your goals and have time to celebrate. If you don't know, Squarespace is the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. You can use Squarespace to create a website, engage with your audience, and sell anything from products to your time, all in one place. 
With the new guided design Squarespace Blueprint, you can select from curated layout and styling options to create a personalized website that's optimized for every device and make checkout easy for customers with easy-to-use payment tools. You can accept credit cards, PayPal, Apple Pay, and in certain countries, you can give customers the chance to buy now and pay later with Afterpay and Clearpay. And with Squarespace AI, you can explain what your site is about, choose your tone, enter what you need, and get auto-generated text. Y'all know I love Squarespace. I used it to put our website together. This is 3.com. I've also used it on my personal website, crystal.com. And that is because, first of all, it's very easy to use if you ever need to update it. It's simple to log in, make whatever updates you can make or whatever you need to do without knowing any code or anything like that. And it helps me to just stay organized, do everything I need to do. Because you got to have a web presence, okay? It's 2024. You got to have a web web presence. So head on over to squarespace.com for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, go to squarespace.com slash three to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Let them know if you're in Crystal sent you. All right, let's get back to the show. So listen, guys, the next generation of influential Black voices can be found on NPR's new collection, Black Stories, Black Truths. I've been running my mouth about it for a while now. Black representation in media is incredibly important, and I feel like it's in kind of a precarious situation at the moment. So amplifying and enjoying as many of these stories as possible is pretty important. Black Stories, Black Truths is a celebration of Blackness from NPR. Each of NPR's Black voices are distinct. Distinct, varied, and nuanced as the Black experience itself. You can get things from Bobby Schmurder to The Wire, Michelle Obama to Reparations. There's no limit to the range of Black stories, Black truths. Black perspectives have always been centered in the telling of America's story. Now they are the story. Hear a feed of episodes from across NPR's podcasts that center on Black voices. Turn on NPR today and hear a range of voices as varied, nuanced, and Black as the country we reflect. Stories should never be about us, without us. Listen now to Black Stories, Black Truths from NPR, wherever you get podcasts. So, what what goes into finding that shot or all of those shots because you spend so much time (laughs) just driving around? A lot of driving around. Um, (laughs) I'm really big on scouting and I'm really big on, you know, creating authentic stories and everything being real. So I like to scout and I like to drive around like Shiona, our costume designer, one of my best friends. Killed it. But one weekend I was like, let's go find Florida. And we went to Mississippi and like where they end up is like us on a weekend like trip because nobody else was dying to scout with us. (laughs) And I was like, I'm going to find it. Like we haven't found it yet. Um, So it's just about keeping on pushing, you know, and I, I love like, Americana type photography and then that imagery and, and, and how we can show all the different parts of our country and, and who we are implanted in that. Like, mm-hmm. you know, how our blood like well, like is in that soil. So even when we're like, you know, seeing the prisoners on the side of the road, like that's still really happening in, in Angola. You know, like these are all real real choices made based from things that are happening to us. Yeah, and that was in the script. Because I, 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 I had seen that. Like in terms of when I'd be driving, I'd be like, I don't know, on road trip or whatever. And like, I would see that in the, in the the prisoners work in the land and they were often always black and brown. And I would look at it and it always looked like modern day slavery. And so, you know, when, when Slim, who's so always seeing the good, he's looking at the landscape and was like, isn't this beautiful? You know, and she looks at the guys working the land and says, is it? 
Mm. You know what I mean? So it's always that thing. It's like we're always looking at the world through very unique eyes um, because we live in a country um, that we built, but our ancestors built with bloody hands, but yet our blood still gets spilled by those wearing blue and they are allowed to walk free. And so, again, it's sort of like, how do you, what value do you place on your own life when you see on TV that people that look like you can be killed and nothing happens? I really feel like all of these elements come together to create really great storytelling. And if nothing else, y'all told an incredible story with this movie. And um, I just want to talk about this maybe. Well, obviously, y'all have seen it. But for the sake of the podcast, it's a little bit spoilery. But so we start off with like this very um, kind of church boy in Slim. We've got this atheist lawyer in Queen. And then throughout the movie, we see them start to change. Slim, or yeah, Slim is taking shots all of a sudden when he didn't drink before smoking weed in the backseat of this man's car. And Queen done decided that she can lead the prayer for dinner. And all this. I'm like, we asking, we thanking God for things now? And it was a good prayer. <laughs> it was solid. <laughs> right. So I just that really. Took a, that took a beat to write. That took a, it was a very simple short thing, but it took a little while to, to yeah. figure that out. And I t- what she would, what but she yeah, it's like. Her? That is very cleverly done to show the evolution of these two people just over, like it's just under a week. But not only do we watch them fall in love and get to know each other, but we watch them kind of let go of a little bit of their, I don't want to say extremism, but you know, one of them is to this side, the other is to this, and they kind of meet in the middle in multiple ways. And I was telling y'all this earlier, I also really love that there are no white saviors. There are white people who do good things, but there are white people who do heinous things, just like in real life. And there are black people who do great things and help them. And ultimately, a black man is the one who sent them to their deaths. So I just I feel like all of that is so masterful. How much time did y'all spend together just like hammering out and ironing out and just I know you said you finished it Friday. So <laughs> you probably yeah. were like <laughs> up to the last minute. But. Yeah, when it came to like the two of you and reviewing the movie and all that, like how deliberate were those choices throughout the film? I mean, we didn't do anything that wasn't intentional. I feel like, you know, from when I got the script, Lena and I went back and forth maybe three times on drafts before we even took it out mm-hmm. um, and, and sold the movie together. And, and then, you know, I think we, we really trust each other's lanes. Like I respect her so much as a writer and, you know, that's not what I do. So like I, I let her really come to life with that script and she brings it to life and then she gives it to me like a gift you know and then I take that and I'm like okay now now my time starts you know and now I start prepping and moving to New Orleans and all that and I think that trust really shows but um it's been two years of our lives together. yeah and I mean I mean but you're right I mean it is a balancing act you know yeah. I was literally like <laughs> being very mindful because you know and like like I always knew there's certain things that didn't change like I always knew the cop that Junior would kill would be black um, because there was just something very interesting particularly thinking about Tamir Rice and particularly thinking about Trayvon Martin like as a, these young black boys and that's also a thing that I kind of picked up on tonight that I didn't think like there's like a, a through line of like little black boys playing they're playing outside of the trailer they're playing at the end you see them in the, skate, in the parking lot how do they see police officers they see them as a predator. They see them as killers. So Junior, you know, who now sees his heroes as Queen and Slim, like, oh, 
That's what we doing. He don't care that he black. All he see is blue. And um and uh and just to swap that narrative. You know what I mean? Like yeah, what if Tamir Rice had a real gun to, and, and to looked see at that cop, cop and said, Fuck yeah. you. you know what I mean? So it was sort of exactly. me like trying to figure that out. But then also too, at the very end, you know, initially I I should tell this, man, about Bradford. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um initially um it was like a a white guy who who rolls up on them at the end mm-hmm. and takes them to you know and it was gonna be like he was gonna be like a culture vulture he's gonna be a big white guy with a fubu oh. shirt on <laughs> i was like yeah because it was gonna be my thing of like yeah white people who appreciate our culture but don't appreciate our bodies you know this whole thing and i was like you know <laughs> you know and it was and i think it was you know, because again, that's what you do in early drafts. It was sort of like in my head, I was in my space, like this is what I wanted to do. Um, and then Bradford Young, the amazing cinematographer, uh, DP. I sent it to him because I, I really wanted Bradford to shoot, shoot it. And, and he wasn't available at the time, but he, he gave us some notes. And Lena doesn't like notes from anybody but no. me. <laughs> so I kind of like, her. but I, I like to hear what, what the people think. Right. So I kind of go through all the notes and I'm like, that's a good one. That he he was like, he's like, what if the guy that come and gets them at the end is black? It complicates it, you know? And like, I was like, hmm. And then the thing I thought about, because I sat with it for a beat, like we talked about it, and I, I had to go sit by myself and sit with it. And I thought about, huh, like the times in my life where I have been betrayed. <laughs> That's why I think, but that's why I needed to sit with it because we, we, we had the conversation and I, cause I was like, well, how do I, cause then I said to you, I was like, well, I got to go like really, I got to really play, rewrite the scene and like play with the scene. So I was like, give me some time. I hope I didn't take too long. I don't know. But I was just like, give me some time. Cause then what I realized was how Oof, it was tough writing him because I was like, he has to walk the line. He needs to feel like a nigga. You know what I mean? Yes. You know, and he needs to. But then also, too, he has one of my, my favorite lines is that he's like, y'all gave us something to believe in. You know, we needed that, you know. And I think it's a testament to, you know, what we're going through in our culture. Like we become victims of capitalism where it's just about your own individual gains, where you give up, um, you know, give up the community because you're just thinking about self. Right. And how much is that in our music? Right, and our right, self? You know, we right. really need to fight up against it because for me, what Queen and Slim is about is black unity, black love and not just romantic love and bringing right. us together. Right. You know, so I really wanted to to highlight the opposite of that. So we could try to tear that down. Right. And it was, you know, and this was before, you know, Nipsey was killed by a black man, you know, and, and then we were, you know, like Malcolm X was killed by a black man. And so those things, I, I started to go like, fuck, like they don't have to kill us sometimes yeah, because we're so in our community sometimes yeah. we'll look at each other and not see a brother, we'll look at each other and not see a sister. And I was like, so that's when I was like, oh, okay, let me go like figure this out um and it's so interesting too to sit with an audience because sometimes audiences don't know you like well he hold on well i i don't know like um and then also too there's just that hope at the end too where you're like nah like not one of us but but also too but it's it's so what i do appreciate is that you have (laughs) what i do appreciate is that you have that moment but you also have the victorious moment the black cop that like less them you know what i mean like you have that too so it's like i think because we had that i'm like okay you got the brother (laughs) (laughs) With the click clack, you know. Oh, 
I just um, want to say, I ain't trust that nigga from the beginning. Because if he was really going to help, he would answer the damn questions. When I, I saw him right pass, the questions. Yep. When I saw him pass that blunt, I was like, maybe. Yeah, the maybe. Blunt. The blunt. But maybe. when he dropped him off and then he just zoom out there, I said, nah, it's over. I said, it's fucking over. He ain't going to walk him to the plane? Yeah, nah. Well, he, at that point, he doing something illegal. He doing something illegal. So he, you know, he, he got to He was doing dip. something illegal the whole time. <laughs> I but him, but him counting the money is heartbreaking. <laughs> yeah, oh, it yeah. is. Heartbreaking. Because I'm already weeping by that point. So, like, I have Woo! to take myself out of that to that, get that, that moment always gets me, him counting it. Hey, guys. May is Mental Health Awareness Month, and Talkspace, leading virtual therapy provider, is encouraging people to talk it out in therapy. Opening up to a therapist might feel uncomfortable, cathartic, exhausting, or exhilarating. Personally, I find it to be all of these things, depending on the time and time. <laughs> But if you keep talking or texting with a licensed therapist, you'll gain insights and uncover truths that you can find only in therapy. Personally, I'm therapy constantly. It's one of the most important things in my life right now, to be honest with you. And it is just, it makes a difference knowing that you have someone somewhere uh, that is judgment-free, that is unbiased, that can hear you out. And it being Mental Health Awareness Month is the time if it's been on your mind to give it a try. Celebrate May Mental Health Awareness Month and the power of talking about in therapy. Talkspace is offering every listener of the read $80 off your first month with promo code SPACE80. When you go to Talkspace.com slash read to match with a licensed therapist today, go to Talkspace.com slash read to get $80 off your first month with the code SPACE80. And to show your support for the show, that's Talkspace.com slash R-E-A-D code S-P-A-C-E-8-0. Go get some help. Talk some stuff out. Let's get back to the show. Um, So we briefly spoke about this before, but on the topic of you uh, discussing uh, like feeling like Black people are bilingual in a sense, and being that this is uh, the first time that you got to see it with an audience, we talked about the amount of comic relief that's in the film, but I feel like a lot of it for us is just the relatability and like the Blackness of it. Like, How much of this would you say was like, th- this was intentionally supposed to get a laugh at? How much do you feel like Oh, this is like I didn't even expect them to laugh at this part. Of oh, yeah, there's lots of y'all laughed at that I didn't expect. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, I mean, I mean, the truth is, I, I started in comedy, um, so uh, I think most people would no, they don't be from Master of None mm-hmm. or, or whatever it may be, but that that's really where I began. Um, but then also too, I know obviously I, I, I do the shy, so it was like that's obviously dramatic. But I I also wanted to get to a place as a writer where I wanted to be able to you know shoot with my left and my right. You know what I mean? It's like I want to be able to like, you can't tell which way I'm going. Um, But to me, I think I can't not have some humor in in it. Like I, I, but to me, like the stuff with the the, the father and the son, you know, chubby, you know, uh, um, like that was me getting my, you know, in my bag a little bit and just kind of having fun. And, uh, you know, and then also stuff with Uncle Earl, you know, that kind of gave me space. But shout out to Bo King, Woodbine, who was phenomenal. Um, you know, like, you know, so wherever I could, wherever I felt like, oh, I can, I can, 
play here. Mm-hmm. I did. Um, but then there's sometimes there's things that just, you know, happen that sometimes audiences find like humorous and you don't even, you're like, oh, I didn't even expect that. But, uh, but yeah, I, I, I'm always most comfortable when I can get a joke off. But, but also too, I, I'm, I also love poetry so much. And, you know, and I think, uh, sometimes it can get a little poetic, but people kind of felt it, you know, like to me, cause to me, the, 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 the story he tells, um, which is also born out of my shit. Like my, my wife will always say when she can't obviously she'll tell me a story. She'll like, tell me a story. Um, and that's born out of me trying to come up with something interesting to, that she might find entertaining. Uh, and so that story was sort of like, uh, a play on us, but also a play on, um, you know, Sam Cooks, uh, you know, I was born by the river, you know, I asked my mother, you know, that's, that's, that's the whole, uh, that, 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 that being so influenced by that song and hearing it all the time that it sort of came out of him going to his family members and all that kind of stuff. So I also get to play in that way. Like also one of my favorite lines, like my grandmother said that through our, through children, we are reborn, you know? And so I like that I can kind of do that, but then also I can have fun and just sort of keeping the audience on their toes a little bit. Well, Melina, like you said, um, the movie's complicated and I think that's what makes it so human and so relatable. We see all these characters who are evil and good at the same time, which is, you know, pretty much the human experience. Yeah, Uncle Earl being all over the damn place. And so anyway, I just want to say again, congratulations to the both of you because the movie is absolutely gorgeous. So very well done. Thank you. I'm so proud of it. I think we have time for a couple of questions from the audience. Before we... Yeah, I was like... uh, Madonna's performance? They're in there hollering. Who's... Um... Is somebody, or am I coordinating this? Oh, no. Okay, no, how, I'm not. Because they actually just said we don't have time. Oh, no. Come Look on, what shout you did. Well, listen, they, shout. they told me we did, and then they said we, okay. She desperately Okay, right, because she is like standing up. <laughs> we'll have one question from this, this Lola. lady right here. Lola. Great. Thank you. Oh, yeah. Did you ever entertain the idea of letting them get away was the question to me, um, because that had come up. I mean, the truth is, is that the reason I I wanted to be respectful to the mothers who have lost their children to particularly police brutality. Um, And uh, and and now we sort of caught we've sort of deemed them mothers of the movement, if you will. Um, And being from Chicago. Uh, Emmett Till was I always say is in my DNA in a way like it's weird it's like from a child I know that story um, and so when someone says to me oh why couldn't they have lived I say go talk to Trayvon Martin's mother and ask her what if why didn't why couldn't he live she would look at you and say I don't know but that was not his destiny but I am grateful to what I like to call them sacrificial lambs, so to speak, because it kicked off a movement. You know, we we didn't let that Trayvon, that hit us weird. So we put our hoodies on, you know what I mean? And we looked at each other, you know, but then again with Sandra Bland, that hit me. It hit me, hit me. I'm talking to Issa about it because she reminded us of us. Um, And so... To me, and because of that, 
you know, I absolutely wish Sandra Bland would have gotten a chance to live and celebrate birthdays and have children and figure out what her purpose was on this planet. But instead, she became a symbol of the times in which we live. So, but also because of that, when I say her name, we all know it. Yeah. Not because of what she did or what she accomplished, but because someone took her life for being disrespectful, for chewing gum, not putting on a cigarette, not turning the radio down. So I could never flirt with it because it would be disrespectful to those who are no longer here, but who are here, who are, who are living with us. And an interesting thing is like Nipsey Hussle would not be immortal if he, if he didn't, if his life wasn't taken, you know, it's like, now it's like, you know, he's on t-shirts. You see his face painted up yeah, everywhere, yeah. not because of his music or because of what he did, but because he died. We celebrate us in death not in life. So I will never, ever entertain the idea of saying, oh, but let, let's, what, let them live. It's like Nina Simone said, it's an artist's duty to reflect the times. And unfortunately, these are the times in which we live. So thank you. And that's like the the, the, yeah. the topic of, of legacy and that ongoing theme of legacy and immortality within the film. And as you see at the end with this huge mural and the t-shirts, it's like honoring us and what we've gone through. Yeah. Excellent film. Really Give is. them a fucking Thank hand. you so much. Give Thank it up one more time for Lena Waithe and Melina Matsukas, y'all.